Good morning. I hope we're enjoying the weather. I was asking the first service and some people didn't enjoy it, some were enjoying it. And I say it's a time we enjoy every weather because when the rain comes, that is time the farmers will have enough water so their crops will grow and we can eat. Isn't it? All right. Can we give a clap to our instrumentalists? Just give them a round of applause. They've done so well, so well. Amen. And you're here, you still want to be part of what is happening in church. You want to serve, you want to do one thing or the other. Meet us at the table there and we'll discuss with you. There are areas of service, there are things that we need to do in God's house. So don't just come, sit down, warm the chairs and go home. Do something for God. Amen. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we want to thank you this morning. We give you thanks, praise and adoration. We thank you because you are God. Father, we worship you. The truth is that we are alive not because of our own righteousness, but it's because of your own loving kindness to us that is better than life. We want to appreciate you, Lord, today. We say thank you. Lord, we come into your presence. We're asking that the word that you've committed to my hands will go forth as you have ordained. And that, Father, every heart will cry out for you. And you will be the center of our own hearts and lives. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, I'll be speaking briefly on a topic, God is light. God is light. I will read from two different translations of the Bible. One is the Amplified. One is called the Extended Bible. The text I'm reading from is 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. So if you have your Bible, or you have it the paper form, you have it electronic form, open with me to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. And I'll read quickly from the two translations. The Amplified Classic says, This is, and this is a message, the message of promise which we have heard from him and now are reporting to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. No, not in any way. So if we say we are partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him, when we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we are both speaking falsely and do not live and practice the truth which the gospel presents. I read from the extended Bible. It says, here is a message we've heard from Christ. And now announce, proclaim, declare to you, God is light. Referring to God's truth and his goodness. And in him is no darkness, referring to falsehood and evil at all. So if we say we have fellowship with God, but we continue living or are walking in darkness, we are liars 
and do not follow, perform, practice, act according to the truth. Amen. God is light. I want to say this morning to us that for us to be able to serve God effectively, we need to have a clear understanding and revelation of who God is. The understanding of who God is is crucial in our work with God and in our deeper relationship with God. The truth is that everyone that says, I am a child of God, must bend his knees to pray until God becomes my God. You have to get a revelation of this God that God is yours. It's good to say our God, isn't it? But a time will come when you will be alone. It will no more be our God. It will be what? My God. And if he has not become my God, when you are alone, there will be trouble. God will not only be your God, it must be your father. That means there is a relationship. God originally created us for a relationship. He didn't create us as beings that should be going doing things up and down. It is for what? A relationship. So if we don't have that revelation of who God is, the truth is that our journey, our Christian journey will be with confusions, it will be with struggles, it will be with frustrations. And I tell you, there will be no major progress. That's why several people have been in church. They come to church year by year, month by month, but their lives are not progressing in the things of God. We need to have that revelation. In the scriptures, God is That phrase, God is, appeared in several places. In more than over 30 places. God is love, God is merciful, God is this. They are all in the scriptures. But we'll narrow it down to four. God is love, God is light, God is spirit, and God is a consuming fire. The sad thing is that a lot of of people know God is love, which is very good. God is really a loving God. But the truth is that they've not, they failed to consider the other aspects of God. So this morning, we want to focus a bit on God is light. God is light simply tells us that God is a holy God. I thank God for Pastor Handy last Sunday that laid the foundation that stretched the fact that God is a holy God. Brethren, we cannot say we are serving God and still continue to live in sin. God is a holy God. And so the word of God says, if we continue, if we say we have fellowship with him and we are still living in sin, we lie. We are not practicing the truth. We are not living according to the word of God. God is light. God is a holy God. Throughout scriptures, Right from the Old Testament, God has always been declared as a holy God. When he speaks to his people, he says, I am holy. But that was not the end. He also demands that you and I be what? Be holy. That is why the matter comes. There are so many scriptures. I'm not going to go through them. I will prepare a, a little um, handout for you 
that you can pick at the end of the service that contain a lot of the scriptures. You can go through and read them yourself. But I'll read one or two. In Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 to 45, the Bible says, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourself and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourself unclean by any creature that moves along the, the, the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be, to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Through our scriptures, you see it. God declaring and asking his people to be what? To be holy. Well, according to the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15 and 16, the Bible still says, but just as he who created you is holy, so be holy in all you do. In all you do, not in some. For it is written, be holy because I am what? Holy. The matter is, why is God demanding this on us? I think God will be a wicked God if he's asking you and I to be holy when we cannot live a holy life. Then God will be wicked. He cannot also do what is impossible. If he's demanding that we should be holy, and the Bible says in Hebrew chapter uh, 12 verse 14, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That is a very strong statement that we don't need to play with. God is not playing around with his word. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That is his word. And it doesn't matter, whoever it is. It could be the preacher, it could be even myself. If I'm not holy, I can't see God. God has a standard and he will not he will lower his standard for any man. But the point is that why is he insisting that we live a holy life? Why is he insisting? The truth is that it's because he has made provisions for you and I to live a holy life. He has made provisions. And the sooner we get hold of those provisions and walk with, the better for us. Because God is not going to lower his standard for any man or any generation. Some put in, well, in the Old Testament, God, God used to be a very uh, wicked God or he's a very hard God. That's not true. In fact, the Old Testament showed more of the love of God. It showed so much of the love of God as you read the Old Testament. So why is it demanded? The Bible says that the grace of God have appeared in Titus chapter 2 verse 11 to 14. The grace of God is to teach us to say no to what? To sin. Sometimes because of grace, our generation have begun to use grace as a certificate for sin or an excuse for sin. Grace is not an excuse for sin. Grace is to teach you and I to say no to what? To sin. So that we can live soberly, we can live godly in this world. That is why grace has been provided. It's not just ending at un- as unmerited favor. It is an unmerited favor. 
But beyond that, it is to give us the grace. If you listen to what Paul has said, I've labored more than all the apostles. Not me, but what? The grace of God. So the grace is that enabling that God gives us to live above sin, to live holy, holy life, and then to be able to work for God. Why is God so demanding? He's made a provision. Time will not permit us to be able to, to deal with these issues. That will take us about three, four months to teach every Sunday or so to be able to, for you to get grasp of the truth. But in summary, God has made three provisions for us to live above sin. That's why he's demanding that you and I live a holy life. One is the blood of Jesus. Number two is the cross. Number three is his resurrection. These three we need to understand fully. But we don't have the time. And I'll just say that we'll read only a passage of scripture. Isaiah chapter 53 from verse 4 to 6. Isaiah 53 from verse 4 to 6. Surely he took up our pain and bore our sufferings. Yet we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Verse 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. When you read that scripture and understand. Is that you see that there are two things mentioned there. One is that the Bible says. Jesus was wounded for transgression. He was wounded. He was bruised. So when he was bruised. When he was been beaten and the blood was shed, that is for our transgression. That is what the blood does. The blood is there to cleanse us so that we don't stink before God. Sin stinks before God. The Bible says our God cannot behold iniquity. In Naomi said, he will not, he will not let go the wicked. So the blood is to wash us. But if you go to verse 6, the Bible says, we all like sheep have gone astray. It's not talking of a lifestyle. Sin is not just the, the lying, the, the, the lies we tell or what, uh, the, the stealing or um, fornication or whatever. Sin is a nature. It has to be dealt with. But the Bible says, in that verse 6, it said, the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. The iniquity, Mr. Iniquity that produces iniquities was laid on Jesus. So when Jesus went to the cross of Calvary and died, he took Mr. Iniquity along. I only read a passage in Colossians and I want you to listen carefully. Because these are the provisions he has made for us so we can live above sin. If we cannot, then we need to examine ourselves and go back to the scriptures. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 3. Chapter 2, sorry, from verse 13 to 15. I read from the Passion Translation of the Scriptures. 
The, this rim of death describes our former state. For we were held in sin's grasp. But now we have been resurrected out of that rim of death. Never to return. For we were forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. Verse 14 said, He cancelled out every legal violation we had on our record. And the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us, he erased it all. Our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it so that they cannot be retrieved. Amen. What Jesus did on the cross of Calvary is permanent. He took everything that was in us, every accusation of the devil, he took it to the cross and the Bible said he erased it and deleted it. Once it's deleted, it cannot be retrieved. But the point is that you just being happy that that happened is not the reality. It has to happen in your life. What Christ did is permanent. That's what the Bible says on the cross. Jesus said it is finished. Have you asked yourself before what finished? Have you asked yourself? I pray that as you live here, you go and ask yourself, what really finished? What finished? The stronghold of Satan over our lives finished. The stronghold of sin over our lives finished. The Bible says he destroyed it on the cross. Maybe you might be saying, no, 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 my brother. I, what you are talking is, is not real. It's not real. Uh, we cannot just live above sin. No, 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 no. Listen to what our brothers who ran this race before us. Let's listen to their testimony. I read Romans chapter 6 verse 1 to 2. So, do you think we should continue sinning so that God will give, give us more grace and more grace? Of course not. The King James said, God forbid. So if you think that, oh, well, we cannot get out of sin, we should still. The Bible is asking a question. Should we continue in sin so that grace will abound? Bible said, God, what? Forbid. And he said, of course not. Our old sinful life ended. It is dead. So how can we continue to live in sin? This was a testimony of the brethren who have gone before us. They knew that they can live above sin and live a victorious life. Read again. Romans 6.14 says, Sin shall have no what? Dominion over you. Is that in the Bible? You think God is playing about it? He's not playing. He's saying what should you should have. That sin will have no dominion over you. Because on the cross of Calvary, Jesus said, it is finished. If we read again the same Romans, do you know what he said? He said, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, verse 18, he said, Being then made free from sin, 
ye become servants of what? Righteousness. Paul is saying, being made free from sin, ye become what? Servants of what? Righteousness. One thing ended, another thing began. That is the testimony of our brethren. Maybe you still say, no. Let's read again John. 5 John chapter 5, chapter 5 verse 18. We know anyone born of God does not continue to sin. We know. It is not a confession. It was a conviction. It was something that had happened in their lives. We must come to that reality. That is the time we can live this life. These are the provisions God has made for us. These men who understood the provision of the blood, the cross, and the resurrection, when Jesus rose again, is for us to have victory. Somebody said, any gospel preached without a cross leaves a bunch of happy sinners. And the gospel without the resurrection leaves defeated, leaves a defeated church. The resurrection of Jesus Christ will give us victory over the enemy. He rose again. We sing it, isn't it? He is risen, isn't it? It's not just to sing. It's that you and I also rise in what? In victory. Hallelujah. Listen, folks. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 6 to 7, as I begin to close. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Do you hear that? Because anyone who died, who has died, has been set free from sin. These brethren, they knew. It was not a testimony. It was not just a statement. It was not just a singing. It was a reality in their own lives. They know. And I want you to know. These are the provisions God has made. We need to live a holy life. And as I begin to conclude finally, I will take you to a passage that I love. But I want to listen to this. God has a standard. We must arise to that standard. If our lives fall short of the text of scriptures, it only shows the need in our lives and the necessity to get things right with God. Remember the parable of the ten virgins. How many were they? Ten virgins. When the Bible talks of virgins, it's not about Christians, it's about believers. There were ten virgins. So they were in church. They were doing everything. They went to missions. They do everything. At the end, the Bible says, five were wise. Five were foolish. They couldn't make it. The door was shut against them. May you not be among the foolish. Therefore, God has a standard. He will not lower his standard for any man or for any generation. 
We can modernize anything. Let's modernize it. Let's make it good. Let's make it to be what we like. But that is our own business. But as God is concerned, his standard is there. It will not change. I pray that this morning, afternoon, we'll rise up. We'll rise up from those beggarly things. I say, well, we know that this, this, and this. Stop knowing. Go to the word of God. Because we know will not help us. The word of God is what will help us. But listen this as I finish. So, the words from 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 from the message version. He said, test yourselves to be sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. I hope the test won't show that you have failed. This morning, afternoon, I charge us. It's a time to test it out. It's a time to check our lives. Listen, God is a holy God. He loves us. I want to tell you that the fact that you know God loves you takes you nowhere until we respond to the love of God. All the men that have done great things have responded to that love. God so loved us. But the Bible says, what does it say? He that loved me should do what? Should keep my commandments. This morning, will you arise and say, God, it's a time I will respond to that love. It's a time I respond to your word. It's a time I respond knowing that you're the holy God. And that if I don't live a holy life, I have no place. Remember the Bible was so interesting when you read 5 John chapter 3 from verse 1. He said, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God, isn't it? We love that song. No time I would have sang it for you. But when you read down to verse 3, say, he that hath this hope in him purified himself even as he is pure. This morning, what is your state? Shall we pray? I want you to talk to God briefly. I want you to examine yourself. Where do you stand? Can you say, God, help me? These matters are serious. God is a holy God. He will not. He will not lower his standard for any man. Will you say, Lord, help me? Will you say, Lord, help me? Are there issues in your life? That God have been pointing to. Say this matter, this matter, this matter. Leave it. But you, are, you, are, you, you don't want to deal with it. I encourage you to arise and deal with it. There is provision for you to overcome. Can you say Lord help me? You have issues and you think you need counseling. Come and discuss with the pastors. Discuss with us. See me we will talk. We'll show you from scriptures how you can live victory. 
Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. The word is life, your word is spirit. Thank you, Father, that the word, if comes to my hand, I commit it unto your people. I pray that, Father, it will accomplish the purpose why you have sent it. Lord, thank you. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember to pick the leaflet as you go out so you can go and study and see more. Thank you.